was a clear night When I first thought I saw your face In the one cloud in the sky But you're an ocean away from me And that's the way it's supposed to be You're listening to Left of the Dial. I'm your host, Kitsy, and with me once again is my wonderful co-host, the unchangeable Caleb Coy. Caleb, how are you? Still the same. Perfect. <laughs> That's all you got? That's all That's, you have? I mean, what more is there? I, okay, we've, fair. We've clearly covered it all before. <laughs> fair. <laughs> Nothing okay. changes. I, Nothing I, new. I walked myself right into that one, didn't I? <laughs> yes. At the end of last week's episode, we said we were going to have a special guest this week, and we did fulfill that promise. Uh, with us today is Elise from Oceanator. How are you? I'm good. Yeah. How are you doing? Oh, I'm hanging in there. I would have yeah. been really embarrassed if we like, didn't come through on that. Yeah. Just, just the two of you hanging out. <laughs> just the two of us. <laughs> doing voices, maybe, pretending yeah. to be someone. <laughs> oh, we do that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> last week, plan. it was just the two of us, and... It got kind of weird. We were oh, yeah. in the wrong headspace for doing a podcast, <laughs> and it shows. 
<laughs> yeah, it's hard. You got to be in a convo mood and yeah. not too sad. Well, I think. that's. I think the problem was we were just in a really, really goofy mood and weren't in the mood to take anything seriously. Okay. And, and so it was at least I hope entertaining. Uh, but I, I, I wish we had done a little better job of talking <laughs> about the actual music last week. But right. You know. It's, these are weird times and everyone's head's in a weird space, so I hope people can forgive us. It's fun to listen to something kind of goofy and weird sometimes when you're in a weird space, too, because then you're like, good, it's not just me. Yeah. We're all, we're all in this together. Hopefully we provided that Hopefully. for someone. <laughs> yes. I imagine. <laughs> uh, but anyway, we're not here to review last week's episode because that would be weird. Um, <laughs> we are, in fact, here to talk about... Uh, one of your records, Elise. Do you want to tell us the the name of the record and then the song that we heard coming into the podcast? Uh, sure. Yeah, it's an EP called Lows, and uh, it the first song that we heard there is called Coming Home. It's the first track on the EP. We recorded it. Um, if anyone remembers when Converse Rubber Tracks was a thing, they had um, studios in a bunch of cities, but they had one here in New York. And what they would do is they'd you'd apply to record there and they'd give you a free eight hour day of recording in their super fancy studio with tons of gear and uh an engineer and an assistant engineer and then at the end of that day they'd give you all of your tracks and you kept all the rights to everything and then they also gave you a pair of shoes for some reason that's dope Uh, as fuck yeah so it was pretty cool and they shut it down which makes sense because i don't other than like sort of advertising i don't really know they must have been losing so much money, um, but we did three of the tracks on there, on this on the CP there, and then the other two um, at my brother's studio. But coming home is one of the ones we did at at Rubber Tracks. Neat. And yeah. the, I think we're all dying to know what color were the shoes. Oh, what? Um, so I did three different Rubber Tracks sessions with different bands. So I think for that <laughs> one, I got. So you've got uh, like shoes for the rest of your life at this point. I have I have several pairs of Chucks, yeah. Um, yes. And for that one, it was, I'm pretty sure it was either the all-white monochrome pair, Ooh. which even has, like, the little white circle on the side just in white, or it was that, like, the All-Stars 2 that they made that are, like, sort of waterproof um, and a little cushier, and those are also all-white. <laughs> so nice. it's one of those two. <laughs> white, I could have just said, yes, I guess. Yes, you could have just said white, but that's okay. <laughs> I was thinking they were the black ones, but that was from a long time ago. I mean, any sneakerheads listening to the podcast are going to be like, oh, yeah, I know those. Yeah. yeah like, they're going to like reach over and like pull their pair down and be like, it's these. Even yeah, though no, no, no one can see. <laughs> and like anyone in the room is just going to be really confused because they've got headphones on. Right. Just like, it's well, these maybe shoes. they were listening group listen. Yeah. Is that a thing? <laughs> I like to think that groups of sneakerheads all sit and listen to our podcast together, <laughs> waiting for the moment that we talk about shoes. Yeah. I mean, we do have w- at least one sneakerhead that listens to our podcast, I think. That's true. We, we know one. He's our friend. And if he's not listening, I'm very disappointed in him. Yeah, yeah what a jerk. <laughs> well, this will be the test. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. yeah. doesn't bring it up, then you'll know. If you're, if you're listening, uh, l- let me know if you, if you hear this. Because yeah. <laughs> if you don't, we're not friends anymore. <laughs> but you'll never know because you didn't listen to the pot. This is a bad idea. Okay. <laughs> one day, he's going to reach out to you. You're just going to like, we're not friends. And why? <laughs> why? <laughs> <laughs> We'll find out in like 20 years. I completely <laughs> forgot all about it three seconds after I said it. I don't, I don't know what's happening. 
All right. So, do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, this song? What's it about? Where Where did it come from? Uh, how did you feel about it? You know, whatever, whatever sure. you got. Yeah. Um, well, it's. I don't know where it came from because it just it just kind of like happened. Like I was just fooling around on the guitar and it it just came out on its own. Um, so the ether, I guess. Those are always <laughs> the best ones, from. aren't they? Yeah, it's. I love when that happens. Um, and then lyrically, um, the chorus, like main part of the chorus, like the I'm coming home part, uh, just kind of also came, it just made sense for some reason while I was playing it, um, when I was first writing it all out. And then the rest I just kind of built around this kind of weird... There's this other sort of weird little world that is somewhat fleshed out in my head, but not that fleshed out, where I kind of write songs in that world. Um, And so this is one of those. So it's not really about a specific real-life thing. It's more of about, like, a feeling um, or, like, an episode. Like, you know, it's, like, uh, it's, it's generally about wanting to come back to someone and help them and make sure they're okay and protect them and, you know, all of that sort of thing. So you've got, um, like, an, almost like an ongoing, like, kind of fictional storyline that a lot of these uh, songs take place in? So. Yeah, but it's not, yeah, totally. It's, but I don't, I don't always notice it as much until after That's I've written it. And then I'm like, oh, it's, it's one of these again. Um, I love and there's that. another one. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of fun for me um, to like kind of discover it later too. There's another one that's kind of that this song is the prequel to. I've realized, uh, but that other song isn't out yet because it didn't fit on the on the CP like style wise. Um, but yeah. legally, we can't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I'm gonna say about it. It exists. It's in the world. <laughs> Um, yeah, and then uh, recording-wise, I had... So sometimes I play all the stuff on, on I think, on Lowe's. I just played all everything on one of the songs. And then other... So then other times I get other people to play. And for these Rubber Tracks ones, which is Coming Home and Mistakes and Inhuman, which we'll get to those, um, they were all, like, done live because we wanted to kind of get like capture a live feel for them. So uh, I had my friends Jamie Ingalls and Eva Lowitz and Mark Craig all come in and play with me. Neat. Um, yeah, it was cool. So we just kind of we just kind of played them as if it was a set, you know, um, like no metronome, just played a show. Nice. And then I went in after and and added guitars and um, all that other stuff, and then went home to. My brother's studio, where which is where I usually record, uh, and did the vocals and any other things we couldn't get done in, on that day. So I feel like it has to be said that there are tracks on this record that would not have been out of place if they were released when I was in high school. Like, <laughs> is is grunge like totally your jam, or was that kind of coincidental? Um, <laughs> I think I'm realizing more and more that it's my jam. I mean, I I I grew up more on punk sort of stuff um i i got 
like Dookie was my first CD that like I picked out. Hell like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was eight or nine, somewhere in there when I got it. I think eight, because I think I got it before I started playing the guitar. Um, but yeah, so I was I was always playing all that stuff. But I listened to like DC 101 was the rock station. So there was like a ton of grunge on there. Um, just all that 90s alternative rock stuff is right like on. what I what I grew up with. So yeah, the grunge wasn't on, on purpose, but I guess it's just in there. So. Yeah, there was just like an immediate familiarity to a few of these songs. I was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I know Great. this. I, yeah, I felt the exact same thing too. Um, awesome. Well, that that's good. I'm, I like that. I also, I, I, I like that you said that the grunge wasn't on purpose. It's just kind of there, which is like the most grunge thing. <laughs> you know, just like, yeah. like, ah, we didn't try to sound like this. It just happened. It just happened. It's just like ingrained or whatever. And that's the that's the distortion sound I like a lot too. Is yeah. is all those. So yeah. that's I think unconsciously I kind of went for that as well. Well, you, you did this thing that like really like threw me, but impressed me at the same time. How in the middle of this like super grungy track, like something like I said, like total throwback to like mid nineties. Uh, there's just these like surf rock string bends going on in the back oh, too. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's this crazy juxtaposition that works so well. Yeah, that that um, some of the crazier, really wiggly ones are, are my friend Mark, uh, who I brought in specifically because I knew he was good at that sort of thing, and I was like, instead of like doing this on my own, I'll just have him do it because like that's his specialty. Nice. And yeah, so we just practiced together for a bit, and I was like, well, maybe like do this here, and gave him some direction. But but he he did a lot of that, um, and yeah, I was pretty stoked that it came out like how I was hearing it. Even though he's a whole separate person, you know. <laughs> um, uh, I I have to appreciate that you uh, describe them as wiggly. I've, <laughs> I've never I've never heard anyone describe uh, music as wiggly or or thought of it. But now it's like my new favorite thing. So yeah. thank well, you for that. Yeah. They are, I mean they are right. Yeah. No, yeah. It's, it makes perfect sense. It just that never <laughs> crossed my mind, and so now I'm uh, I have a new yeah. word in my arsenal. Thanks to you. Great. You're welcome. So, Caleb, we need to find more wiggly music. It's so so appropriate. The more wiggly parts. (laughs) Because, you know, my, my like guitar lines are a little more straightforward. You can hear them. They're like, like the part. That's me. You know, it's just like a straightforward melody. And then that solo thing that's in the breakdown bridge part is me. And then all the like background. He also referred to them at one point as like a dying whale. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so all of those, those are him. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. We're getting the, the best adjectives for, for music that I've ever heard. And we're only like 10, 10 minutes in. Yeah, I know. This is great. <laughs> I've got a lot of, I mean, that's how. Uh, just a little tangent, I guess. So my brother has been, we've been playing music together since I was nine, eight or nine, and he was six or seven. Um, and he's been recording music for a long time. So I, at this point, I just, I don't even really tell him, I don't usually say like anything in technical terms when we're recording. There's, there's this one song that I was like, okay, so I want the sound here to be like the part at the end of Inception 
which I guess spoiler for anyone who hasn't seen that, but where he's like on the beach and all those buildings are crumbling and there's water everywhere. And I was like, that's what I want the guitar to sound like here. And he was like, okay, go get this guitar off the wall and tune it and I'll be right back. And he like picked an amp, picked a bunch of pedals, turned all the knobs before I turned turned anything on. And then I, he was like, try that. And I played it. I was like, yep, that's the sound. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I wanted. <laughs> so yeah, I guess just gotten used to talking about it in weird, weird ways like that. Uh, that's, that's so cool. It's always fun working with someone that you're so like on the same page with that you don't have to, like you can say the most off the wall thing. I'm like, yep, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. It's really hard to find too, I think. Cause I, you know, I've recorded with some other people on their projects and, uh, they haven't been bad experiences, but it's, you, but we haven't found like that same connection. Yeah. So that's, he's besides the fact that he's really good at it, at recording and mixing and mastering, uh, that, Connection is what makes me always just want to record there um, whenever I can. Right on. So, so yeah. you mentioned uh, you mentioned there some, some pedals, and you mentioned that you have a very specific distortion sound you like. I'm curious, uh, as someone who is absolutely obsessed with guitar pedals, uh, if you have like a favorite go-to distortion pedal that you use. Um, I have two, um, depending on the song. Um, so I have the the Earthquaker Devices Spires pedal. Hell yes. Yeah. Um, and that I think I used on Coming Home and Mistakes, I think. I'm pretty sure. Definitely the the leads because I use the, how I use it live especially is, you know, how it has the red and the green mm-hmm. channel. Um, I use the red for like all the rhythm stuff and then I use the green for the leads because it's a little screechier and, and more broken up. Um, so that's my one. And then I have the... Death by Audio, um, Interstellar Overdriver Deluxe. That's got like a, it's got two switches and two volume knobs and two tone knobs and then a knob in the middle that has six different settings. So you can get a whole bunch of sounds out of there. But I kind of use generally just this one really fat, chunky one. Um, so those are my like two sounds. <laughs> and then also my amp has a really good distortion that I use, just the straight up amp distortion on the on the new record uh, that we recorded. Um, and that's the Fender Blues Deluxe Smoky Ooh. Tweed Edition. Yes. But we took that speaker out and put the speaker from the um, Supersonic in it. So it was just a, like a touch cooler because it sounded better with the guitar I have, which is a reverend. Uh, I want to say the Jetstream, but I'm not 100% sure because I bought it from my brother because I liked the way it sounded. I didn't do any research. I just played it and was like, I want to buy this from you. You just you and, just knew right away, like, this is my guitar now. Yeah, I was like, this is the sound that I have been looking for because it's like got that surfy twang, but it's also like really thick and heavy. It's got a bass roll-off knob and everything on it. Nice. Yeah. So that was a long, too. long answer. <laughs> no, that's great. <laughs> I'm looking them up, and they look really cool too with the triple. The reverence, the triple pickup setup. Yeah, yeah, I think it's that one. I got the the teal, teal color one. Ooh, yeah, it's nice. Yeah. <laughs> pink strap on there, pink cord. Hell it's, yeah, uh, yeah. Wait, hold on. One of these colors is foam shrimp pink. I'm what? sorry, what? Foam shrimp pink. You know, I saw that they just released a bunch of new colors, so I don't think I've seen that one yet. Is it pretty? Is um, it cool looking? It's like it's, a it's like a corally pink, like that kind okay. of like really pale. 
But the name kind of it, oh, it nauseates me a little. Bit. Like <laughs> yeah. foam shrimp. That's <laughs> yeah, not great. I mean, a, I I could understand like shrimp pink. I could live with that. But why yeah. is it foam shrimp? What is a foam shrimp? I don't. I don't know. I, Maybe don't, it's a thing we don't know about, and that's exactly the color. It that foam shrimp is. It makes me think of like if you're watching a really like fancy cooking show and like someone tries to like really impress the judge like, well, like, I've made a, a shrimp foam uh, yeah. to go on, <laughs> on top of the uh, the wagyu beef yeah. <laughs> it's, it's my take on an elevated surf and turf ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's this gorgeous Karina burst though uh, that's like a bright natural to like fades to like a dark black like yeah. outer edge that's gorgeous they have that one for the or they used to at least i'm not sure if they have it now for one of the baritone guitars that i really want to get basses too yep yeah this is the <laughs> second episode in a row where Caleb has gone guitar shopping mid podcast <laughs> great well if you do buy one, just tell them that I sent you so that they'll send me a guitar too. Is that how Will that do. works? No, I don't think so, but <laughs> no. I really want a baritone and I can't afford it right now and I really want one. Oh, baritones are fun. I know. I I I want one so badly. I think it would just be so great to be able to play so much lower. <laughs> everything, you know, everything just keeps getting like Eva on the on on those three tracks coming home and um Mistakes and Inhuman, Eva is playing a five-string bass, which is why it's, like, so low and scary. Um, So I just need more. I need more of that. Well, that's probably a good uh, transition to talking about mistakes. I'm making the mistakes I made when I was younger. Now I'm too old to be forgiven. It's not the worst thing I can imagine. So I just try to tell
in the right hands, a five five string bass can sound so good. Yes. Uh, yeah, and Eva mine is, are not the right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Eva is one of the most talented bassists and musicians in general that I've that I've met. So uh, those those are the right hands for a five string. Um, but yeah, mistakes. Uh, also recorded at Rubber Tracks. Same thing where we did um, it live n- together. Uh, same people played on it. Um, I. How did I? I think that was another one that just kind of that just kind of happened on its own. I mean, it's all power chords, you know, so it's it's nothing fancy. It's it's got the weird stops in it, which um, the ones at the end I just kind of did once on the demo, and then was like, oh yeah, that's it. <laughs> Those are good. What did I do? Um, <laughs> but other than that, it's just it's basically like it's a verse chorus. Verse, chorus, bridge, verse, I guess, which is pretty standard, standard structure there. Um, and it was just kind of about, you know, I, I was having a hard time, sad, uh, one of those cycles, and just kind of like not being able to sleep and also feeling weird about hanging out with my friends in a in just kind of like a social anxiety kind of way, not in like a they, anything was actually weird. Um, I, I wouldn't know anything about that at all. <laughs> yeah, so that 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 thing that um, it was just kind of about that, and also just thinking about you know mis- past mistakes in terms of like what people you let into your life. Uh, so I guess it's about a whole bunch of stuff all all in mishmash together. And then I just liked that little riff so much that I was like, I'm not going to write words for this part because the <laughs> the riff just speaks for itself. Um, so that's why that's that's the chorus. It's just the riff. Nice. Yeah. Um, there's definitely something, and we've we've touched on this theme before, but like when a song just does what it needs to do, and like. It doesn't have to fit a formula or like a like set structure, and like you write it, and it just feels right. Yeah, totally. I've I've been giving guitar lessons, and and we've been talking about songwriting because she wants to start doing that, and that's one of the things I was telling her. I was like, she was like, I can't tell if my song is finished, and I was like, then it's probably not, and it'll <laughs> tell you, you know, like yeah. not in a root, but like mm-hmm. it's probably not. There's probably just a little thing missing, but the song is gonna tell you what it needs. So don't like stress about it it'll happen just keep playing it and then one day you'll be like oh this it'll just happen and you'll be like this is what needs to go next or you'll have like a little mini epiphany or whatever um especially once you've got that far like she's got most of the song and she's got the lyrics and everything so i think by that point it's kind of you're there it'll happen right on yeah that's my songwriting philosophy i guess that's that's a good one. <laughs> I like that, like the the point that you made. Though, like, I don't I don't know if the song is finished. Well, then it probably isn't because yeah. you're going to know when it is. It's going to feel the way it should when it's yeah, done. totally. Yeah, you're going to hear it and you'll be like, that that's it. I, nothing's missing and this feels right. So, which is such a great feeling too. It's such a good feeling. Yeah, because then and, you get super stoked to keep playing it. Yeah. <laughs> 
And it's like, no matter how long it takes, it's a, it's a great feeling. Like you could write the song in like, you know, five minutes, like the length of the song or whatever, or like months and months. And the second it's done, like, it's just, it's just so exciting. Yeah. And then you have the feeling, I don't know, I, I always get the feeling after I've written a song, like, that was the last one. I'll never write a song again. I'm out of ideas. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. And then I worry about that and then inevitably write another song, obviously. But I, I got that feeling like four years ago, and so far it's been true. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it goes, in, it goes in waves, so anything could happen. That's true. Yeah. It has taken me literally a decade to finish one song before. That's okay. How'd it come out? Dope. See? It's great. <laughs> Perfect. When it finally does, it's like, holy shit, this is what yeah. it was meant to be. Exactly. That's yeah, the I've lesson got, I've got here. A, I've got a collection of songs I've been working on in various stages for the last like, 10, 15 years. And I'm like, one of these days, one of these songs is going to like surprise me and finish yeah. itself. And I'm going to be really happy. Yeah, but until then, it's gonna start playing it one day, and it's just already gonna be done. You're like, when when did that happen? Yeah, yeah. But that's that's the lesson here, friends, listeners. Is that uh, you know, it's not done until it's done, but you're gonna know when it is, and it's gonna feel awesome. Yep. It's like it's like falling in love, right? Yeah, sure. Isn't it? Maybe that's what I've heard. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like you'll you'll just know. You'll just know. Yeah, that's sure. Right. Yeah, that's, that's what when, I've been told anyway. Or when you make the perfect shrimp foam. <laughs> <laughs> you just know. You just know. <laughs> You'll know when you've done it. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> oh. Perfect. So on that note, why don't we take a quick break and hear from our sponsor this week? And when we come (laughs) back, we will talk about more of uh, Oceanator's music. So stay tuned. Action stations, action stations, set condition one throughout the podcast. I'm your host and SC1 actual Caleb. I'm your host and XO Kitsy. I'm your host, Andrea, and I don't know what any of that means. Welcome to set condition one. Battlestar Galactica fancast. Each week, we revisit, and I watch for the first time, the 2004 sci-fi series Battlestar Galactica. Whether you're the commander of a soon-to-be decommissioned battleship, or unexpectedly promoted to president of the 12 colonies, join us as we make our way through the Battlestar Galactica universe, one episode at a time. I still don't know what you're talking about. Set Condition 1, a Night Shift Radio production. New episodes every week at setcondition one throughout the podcast.com. Now that I understand.
You're still listening to Left of the Dial. I'm still Kitsy. Caleb is still, I forget what I called you earlier, but... Unchanging. Or oh, unchangeable. Unchangeable. Or... And you haven't changed, so there you I go. Haven't. <laughs> You're wearing the same shirt you were when we started. I appreciate that. Coming back from the break, we, uh, we should have heard another song, I think. Yes, we should have, if I did my job right. <laughs> Do you want to tell us what song we heard coming in from the break? Yeah, we heard Not Around, which uh, in my head is still called L.A. Song because I wrote it. (laughs) (laughs) I wrote it in, I was in L.A. It was pre, I wrote that one pre-smart, well, at least I didn't have a smartphone, but they might have existed. So I didn't have like a voice memo thing, and I went for a walk. And I just had to sing it to myself for the whole hour that I was walking so I wouldn't forget it. I just, (laughs) I wrote like the bass line and and the vocal melody. Um, and just saying that. And then I stopped in a bookstore and was singing it to myself and probably everyone thought I looked pretty weird. Yes. Um, but yeah, so that, that one, that one was built around the baseline, um, on that song. We recorded that one at my brother's studio. He played the drums and I'm pretty sure I played everything else on that recording. Um, bass, guitar, synths, vocals, obviously. Um, and yeah, it was just kind of built around that bass line and I felt like it kind of spoke for itself. So that's why the guitar just kind of doubles it. And it's turned into a fun little dancey thing that people like. I, I wasn't sure if it was going to fit on the record, but it seems, it seems to work. I think. I love like the, the last two sentences that you said, like specifically, because that's basically in the uh, opposite order of the way that I wrote down my thoughts of this song. Like, <laughs> it's like it's super like coming from like the, these kind of grungy songs to start out with. This one's super kind of '80s, but in a way yeah. that like it still doesn't like it doesn't not fit uh, yeah. with the rest of the record. It stands out as like as on its own, but it, like it doesn't it doesn't not fit. And that the bassline and the lead make it very dancey, and I love that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what when I was I was like, well, it's still kind of it, it still goes. You know, that bridge is like pretty heavy. I was like, so it, it'll work on this record. And oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm happy with it. It's a fun song. It's become the most popular one, apparently, on Spotify, which I wasn't expecting since it wasn't like a single or anything, but I'm glad people like it. The kids love their dancey songs. Yeah. <laughs> somebody asked me to record to play a... I've been doing these solo live streams, and somebody asked me if I could play that one solo. And I was like, I, I don't... I don't know. <laughs> um, but I figured out like a kind of weird piano version of it where I, I play the bass line in the left hand. Oh, that's uh, cool. That sounds really um, cool. Yeah, it's hard though <laughs> um, to do that and sing it and play all those. T- I mean, like if this was 10 years ago when we had to do stuff like that in school for like musicianship skills, like maybe, but I'm out of practice now. So you got to work on it some more. You've got a bunch of live videos up on YouTube. Like that isn't one of them, is it? Because if it is, I'm going to bookmark no. it and watch it as soon as we're done. <laughs> no, I have. I I figured that out like for myself, but I didn't actually do it yet. Okay. Um, I've just been like kind of fooling around with it on my keyboard at home. If you do it, share it with us. We'll make sure to uh, spread the word. Yes. Okay. Yeah, we'll do. I'll make a note in my brain that forgets things recently, but it won't forget this. I've heard that before. I can guarantee it. <laughs> I hear that every week from Kitsy. Oh. I don't remember telling you that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. 
love it. Um, I love yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so I like to link uh, relevant content in the show notes so that people can kind of dig in a little bit more and oh, cool. you know, find out more about you. Uh, I want to link this. There's a looks like the the full session from your Audio Tree Live. Uh, oh is yeah, that cool? yeah, that one awesome. was super fun. Um, I'll just go ahead and say those two people that are playing with me on that are like have been my fairly full time touring band for the last year. Um, awesome. It's yeah. The drummer is Andrew Whitehurst, and he also plays on some new songs that are going to come out in the future. And then the um, bassist is uh, Anthony Richards, and they are not on any of the records, but are an awesome bassist. Um, So, yeah. That's who those people are. (laughs) Make sure to share that. I I caught a little bit the other day when uh, Kitsy first told me that we were doing uh, having you as a guest, but hadn't told me what record yet. Like, well, I should probably do a little, uh, little research yeah. in the meantime. Uh, and these came out really cool, so I'll definitely share this. Yeah, that was a that was a really fun day. I uh, I think we did most of the EP on there, right? And then we did a. There's a new song, a brand new song on there too. That's not out yet anywhere else. So you Looks can hear like that. Three of the five songs. Oh I yeah. Right okay. Here. Okay. Yeah, coming home mistakes. And uh, Inhumans definitely Inhuman. on there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the those are the big three. So one thing we've been uh, asking everyone we've had on the podcast recently is with um, the whole COVID nineteen pandemic. Uh, did you have any any tours that were canceled or anything that that like you were looking forward to that that you didn't get to do? Yeah. <laughs> and how's that? How's how have you been like coping with that? I mean, that's been really hard on a lot of people. I've been really sad about it. Um, we, I was supposed to play guitar for somebody else and leave on tour. I was supposed to leave like the day that New York shut down. Um, but we canceled it a couple of days before that, which is good because then I got super sick. And then my friend that I was hanging out with who got sick on the same day as me and we had hung out and like shared dinner two days before texting me and he was like, I just tested positive for coronavirus. Fuck. Oh, no. So that's probably what I had also. Um, so good thing we didn't go on the tour. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I missed that on that one and then had like a couple other like offers to play for other people's bands that I missed out on because of this. Like I had jobs lined up for a couple months and then was supposed to uh, tour on a new record and that's not happening and there's some stuff in the fall that like is already not it's not officially canceled but like I'm I'm almost certain it's going to be canceled yeah. um so yeah it's a it's a bummer and it feels it feels I mean it's the right thing that they're all canceled obviously but it feels weird to have like worked and set up my whole life in this way so that touring could exist yeah. so that Um, and now I can't do it for like a year. So I have to kind of readjust to everything. And my other job is, is restaurant stuff and mostly events and catering and uh, none of that's happening either. So yeah, I I like lost all my jobs (laughs) at once. Um, yeah. Uh, So yeah, I don't know. It's weird. It's been an adjustment, but I'm trying to figure out other stuff to do in the meantime and just, um, I started a little record label and just trying to 
keep busy with projects. And then when touring can happen again, just go for like three years straight or something. <laughs> Never stop. <laughs> yeah. See, you mentioned the uh, the restaurant gig. Uh, is is that kind of like full time and music is part time, or do you really try to go full time music and that's mm. just a supplement? Like, how does that balance out for you? It used to be. It's definitely. It's. Um. It used to be more full time, and music was just part time, and then it started. Uh, I was trying to just make to do more and more music stuff, mm-hmm. and it started to be, I guess, about half and half. Last year, I I was on tour in January and March, and then pretty much and end of April, all of May, and then I was home until October, and then we were on tour for three weeks in October. And so then I worked a little bit in between those tours, and then from June-ish to like the day before we left for tour, I worked like a lot. Right um to just kind of like make up for a year's worth of not of money in in 6 months or whatever. Yeah. Um so yeah, it's kind of been half and half and this year was supposed to be skewed even more further to to music stuff with all the touring and all the like other not other non-oceanator jobs I started to get lined up. It was going to be almost all music stuff. Um now it's not, <laughs> but I don't know. I yeah, I don't know what it's going to look like in in the future once once starts stuff starts to really open back up. Um, hoping to continue the trajectory of moving more into just just music stuff because that's definitely. I mean, the only reason I work in restaurants is to do music stuff. Right on. Um, yeah, that's why that's why it all started. I've been in restaurants for like ten years, ten or. More than ten years now, and I don't not like them, but it's not like my. That's not my. I'm not a food person. That's not my big thing, you know. Yeah. So. Well, on that note, if uh, <laughs> if you enjoy the music that you've heard so far today on the podcast, I'd highly recommend going to oceanator.bandcamp.com, where you can buy everything you've heard today and everything you will hear today, and uh, you'll be helping out a independent artist uh, to stay afloat during these troubled times so if you have the means please head over there and uh pick up some new music and if i can mention uh when this episode drops it'll be june 19th and bandcamp is actually pledged to donate all of their proceeds that day to the naacp legal defense fund so yeah if you want to exactly that is this friday if you want to make a doubly good difference in the world uh purchase this record to support oceanator but also to have that, <laughs> that extra funds that would have gone to Bandcamp go to uh, that legal defense fund. Yeah, I'm excited about, about Juneteenth. I love Bandcamp so much. They've been doing Just, a lot lately to really so try great. to support musicians and other good causes. Uh, yeah, they, I mean, they, I feel like they've always been on that, on that track, but they've just like really been going for it recently. And Bandcamp days have been wild. I didn't see what the total numbers for this last one was. Um, yeah, I didn't either. But but that's it's still it's super cool that they're doing yeah. that. Like, yeah, it's really cool. And people, are, it was a it was a nice day, you know, when everyone was just like sitting on Twitter and talking to everybody yeah. about all the stuff they were buying and finding new stuff and everyone feeling positive. It was a good little reset. Um, get back into the fight. 
so yeah, speaking of Bandcamp, another track that you can get on Bandcamp is uh, Inhuman. There's two versions of that on Bandcamp, actually. Um, there's the the one on Lowe's, which is like the big loud one, and then there's a solo one. Um, so when I when I first 
first started writing the song, I, I couldn't quite figure out what I wanted to do with it. Um, this one took a little bit longer. It wasn't one of those like immediate things. Um, Cause I couldn't get the vibe right. I was thinking that it was going to be a, a solo song when I was writing it and mm. I was playing it on an acoustic guitar and kind of trying to do sort of a folky thing with it. And it just wasn't working. And then uh, just a little a few weeks or so later, I, for some reason, was like, well, actually, what if I just make it, like, enormous and <laughs> and leave, like, the space in the chorus? I think at this point I already knew that Eva had said yes to playing on the record. Um, so I had just left space for them to do whatever because basically whenever... Eva's another one of those people where I can like kind of just kind of tell them my vision of mm-hmm. what the song's going to be and how I want it to go. And then they'll just play like the perfect bass line. Um, and so, yeah, I just kind of left, I just left in the chorus a bunch of empty space when I was writing it at home to kind of let Eva do whatever they wanted uh, during that part. And then the end with all the noise and stuff, I was kind of thinking of it being like when your brain's kind of spinning and getting really cluttered with thoughts and it just becomes like this big kind of static mess that you can't really think through at all yeah. or like get a hold of. Um, yeah. So that's what, that's what that end is supposed to, supposed to kind of be like. And um, it... It's. It was funny. So we recorded that one in Rubber Tracks too, and um, we had just met the um, the engineer that day, and he. We had finished everything else. I was like, I'm just gonna do this weird thing. It's gonna be really weird. Like, hopefully, it works. And so I like went in there, and I had my guitar like basically on the ground, <laughs> and like set all the pedals to how I wanted them, and started like turning them on in the in the order that like makes the noise that. Right, I wanted and like did that for a little while and then I looked up to see like what kind of like if everyone was just in there like laughing at me and he was just sitting there like like mouth open giant smile on his face like yeah yes. I was like okay cool it works nice. <laughs> that's exactly yeah. the reaction you want to see when you yeah. look through that window <laughs> yep it was great so <laughs> yeah and that's so that's like it's just a bit it's a combination of a bunch of pedals um that just kind of make that horrifying, scary noise. Um, and that's what I was going for on the end of that one. Just, it's just scary. Well, you nailed it. Yes. Great. <laughs> awesome. And I, I think my favorite part about this track was, you know, we've talked about, you know, there's, there's grunge elements on this record. There's some dancey, almost like kind of eighties vibe and, and mm-hmm. human. This song, like, it's got some like really like brooding kind of like the reverby vocals on that that verse, but then like it's almost a bit of like a shoegaze feel to some of the song too. Yeah, and yeah, like, I, I love it because you like you're you're not uh, like stuck or adhering to like a single style, but like none of it feels out of place. It it feels very cohesive together. Cool, great. <laughs> that's what I was. That's what I was. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I don't usually. Um, think about style or whatever you know when I'm writing stuff, and they just I just write them, and then I see which ones fit together 
for the record. That's such a cool thought because like you you could have just been like, well, I wrote this song with these other ones, so it's just going to go on this record and it might have felt like filler or just like awkward yeah. there, but yeah. like holding on to it as hard as I can be until it fits somewhere like that's Yeah. That's impressive. Well, <laughs> thanks. Um yeah, I'm I've always been, I like an album, you know, I'm I'm an album person mm-hmm. still. So I like them to fit together and kind of maybe even have a little arc um, to them. Right on. Uh, Same. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's why I I just I just drag songs along <laughs> until they're until they're ready until they have a whole bunch of other songs around them that that make sense together. Uh, yeah, I, I think you know everyone should listen to music the way that it speaks to them and the way that it, it seems the like the most appropriate. But my brain doesn't comprehend. The people who will like only listen to playlists or will always listen on shuffle. Like, yeah. I want to put on a record and listen to it. Like mm-hmm. that's how yeah. I, uh, like I, I hate even using this phrase, but like that's how I've always enjoyed music and like that's still yeah. how I enjoyed music. Yeah, same. Um there's uh even when I was like a little kid and I would get records, I, I always listened to them from front to back. Mm-hmm. Um just over and over. And it used yeah, to be a I lot mean, harder not to. Yeah. Yeah, true. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. But even with like a CD player, you mm-hmm. know, like you could skip around on that. Um, I think I, I never really bought anything on cassette. I, I went straight to CDs, but I had cassettes of like older stuff that was like my parents. Um, I was a yeah. long time cassette held out. Yeah. CDs were well into the mainstream before I realized that like... <laughs> It it wasn't really doing me any favors to keep buying cassettes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think part of the reason that I I got a, I had a CD player and no cassettes ever, even though like cassettes were still a thing, is that my dad has always been like, when the new thing comes out, like he gets it. So I I talked about this before, but like we had two laser disc players. Yeah. Because yeah, and um, one of them's in the other room right now. I have it. Um. But because he was like, this is the new thing, and he went out and got laser displayers because, yeah. and like he thought it was going to be a much longer time until DVDs or which well he didn't know what they were at the time, but until they were made, which makes sense because like you know the records were around forever, and yeah. then you know eight tracks and all that stuff, and that took much longer, and then laser disc was like one or two years, and then they made tiny laser discs, um, <laughs> and that was it. Who would have thought? I honestly <laughs> thought Minidisc was going to catch on. Oh, and, yeah. yeah. I was surprised I, it didn't. I didn't buy yeah. one, but there were several times where I almost did. Because I was like, this is going to be the new thing. Like, I, you know, I, yeah. I think I can skip right over CDs and go right to this Minidisc <laughs> thing. No. Nope. Yeah, I don't know what happened to it. The, the drummer in my middle and high school band uh, was very into Minidisc and got, had a bunch of them and thought that was going to be the new thing, too. And then they just kind of... Disappeared. I don't I know. Everyone who was old enough at that time probably knows one person who got really into mini disc. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he had so many. And then there was talk of like putting our CD out on mini disc. Yes. I was like, how? <laughs> <laughs> who even makes mini disc? Like, I don't do you, know. <laughs> who do you go to to press a mini disc? I know. I think it was like a very short conversation because we were like, oh. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to do that, so we'll just burn CDs on our computer like we planned. So here's here's a fun game. 
who wants to guess when uh when the last Sony mini disc player was sold? Whoa. Oh. I feel like it could either be ridiculously recent. Like I feel like it might be like 2017 or something crazy. Caleb, do you want to hazard a guess? October 2010. March 2013. Okay. That's, more recent, but that's pretty thought. recent. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that, yeah. That is very recent. <laughs> Does it say where? Like, what was the last, like, country or region to, like, really be all in on Minidisc? Yeah. It doesn't say, but it does say that Minidiscs were very popular in Japan and had moderate success in Europe. I okay. Don't. Not difficult to believe. I am not surprised. Did Minidiscs hold more than one song? Yes. Uh, they held up to i think 80 minutes of music oh i thought it was way shorter than that yeah surprisingly that's the, like a full cd the capacity yeah. was very similar to a regular cd yeah oh okay so like why did the larger format disc i don't know they came in those weird little cartridges though or something didn't they it wasn't yeah. like you took the little disc out and yeah. put it in. It was like it seems like it's even more practical with the way the cds got <laughs> yeah. scratched yeah that's true yeah is this Maybe a, we should bring them back. Is this like a VHS Betamax thing where like yep. the, the the inferior the, one won? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. God damn it! We had so many beta. Oh, we have a bunch of family videos on Betamax still oh, too. Beta was great. <laughs> yeah, can't watch them. Have them. Smaller format and higher quality. Like yeah, worse marketing, I guess, or yeah. whatever happened. VHS just kind of maybe just just the name. They don't make those anymore though either. That's true. I was trying to get a new one because mine just broke. And there's like a million dollars now. Yeah. So I guess that's that. I just hold on to things, you know? <laughs> I love this it. has been Outdated um, Technology Corner. I'm literally <laughs> looking at my... Do you remember my first my first Sony, the Walkman? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was red and you could see the gears? Yeah. yeah. I'm looking at it right now. Oh, that's Hell awesome. Yeah. It's like almost within arm's reach. Well, I just don't get rid of things <laughs> unless I'm, they're... Disgusting. I'm noticing on your uh, Bandcamp page that it sold out, but that you did do a pressing of uh, cassettes for yeah. Lowe's. Uh huh. Yep. <laughs> and then, uh, like, that was what like I I don't I don't knock it. I don't understand how cassettes made a comeback. Like records, I kind of understand, but like when cassettes think, made a comeback, it like it was weird to me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that it's partially it's much cheaper to make than CDs oh, and yeah. vinyl, obviously. And they're little small pocket-sized things. I don't think a lot of the people that are buying tapes at shows are listening to them. I think they... I mean, obviously, some of them are. But I think a lot of people also buy them because they're like, they want a thing from this experience. Yeah. Um, and then it has a little download card in there. So you still get the record. You've still bought the record. You've supported the band. And now you have this little souvenir. It's, a, um, it's an interesting collectible item. Like my my yeah. band did cassettes too, and again, yeah. I'm I'm not knocking it because if somebody <laughs> wants to buy it in that format, then like yeah. make it available in that format. But I just like as someone who listened to cassettes for way longer than most people, <laughs> and then like said my goodbyes yeah. to have them come like, back. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's weird. I I like them though. We're gonna do a uh, we're gonna do a repress of the lows. Of the Lowe's EP on cassette. Awesome. Uh, that's an early announce, I guess, for everyone. Ooh, that it's going to it exist. Here first. Yeah. Um, sometime soonish. 
but not by Friday. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that would be impressive. Saturday? Yeah. But, yeah, maybe Saturday. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just show up. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I like them. And I, I like I like being able to pack a couple cassettes in my bag and not and then listen to those and not be constantly looking at my phone. Um, is a thing I like about them too. I can appreciate that. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So that's that's a thing. If my CD player still worked, I'd maybe do that, but I, the battery acid leaked in it, so I can't use it anymore. Oh, no. It's hard to keep yeah. CDs in your pocket, too. Yeah, I'd say it's if, not as pocket-sized, for sure. If cassettes have one thing on CDs, it's that they, they fit in your pocket really easily, Yeah, and you don't need to have them in a case to put them in your pocket and not worry about like your keys scratching them up or something. So Yeah, and the player itself is smaller. True. A little, like the, those nice slim ones. See, Minidisc like solve all, solves all these problems. It does. <laughs> I don't know. Why didn't it catch on? I don't get it. Yeah. It's time to bring well, back mini disc. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's use our tape, our, let's tape use our, repress canceled. <laughs> getting lows on mini disc. <laughs> let's use our uh, our influence as a podcast <laughs> to bring back the mini disc. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean Dear Sony. <laughs> I mean, hey, if every one of our listeners bought a mini disc player, it'd probably be about as many as they sold originally in the U.S. Anyway. Hey. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. They sold more than four. I'm sure. <laughs> so, uh, in a completely unprecedented move, we are actually mm-hmm. going to talk about a song that is not on this record. <laughs> and uh, I know that's uh, that's against the rules. I know that we're going to get in trouble for this. We'll probably have to pay some kind of fine or a uh, breach of contract already. A breach of breach of contract. I don't know, but uh, but we have to do it. It, it must be done. So uh, given the the current events of the world, although we we kind of talked about this, uh, I think it was last week or no, the two weeks ago we did the the run the jewels record. Is the, the things are moving so fast now? that we reference current events and then like the podcast comes out two days later and those events are such old news that <laughs> like it's, it's not even current, but be, as yeah. of the recording of this, which is Monday, uh, June, whatever it is, 15th, uh, you know, we've, we've had a couple of, um, a couple of weeks now of ongoing protests against, uh, police brutality. Yeah. And, uh, I think kind of as, as a, I don't know if it was really a reaction to that because it seems like you might have had to plan this a little further in advance, but you released uh, a cover of Sam Cooke's A Change Is Gonna Come. Yeah. Which I think is a very fitting uh, song for what we're going through right now. Yeah, not planned. Uh, We recorded that little three-song EP on Thursday and we released it on Friday. Oh, that rules. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I've been wanting to cover that song for a while because it's it's, uh, perfect. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> I, the Sam Cooke version, like his original, is is perfect, and the Otis Redding version is also perfect. Um, so I've been wanting to do it for a long time, but I hadn't really thought about doing it acoustic ever. And then, um, you know, Band Camp Day Part Three, I guess, was coming up, and everything was happening. Um, so I wanted to do something something fundraising. I wanted to release something for, for Bandcamp Day so I could help fundraise because there's only so m- much of my own money I can donate, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I was trying to figure out what other stuff I could do. Um, and I just texted Barty's on, I think, either Monday or Tuesday, being like, I think I'm going to do this split. Do you want to do some songs? And he said, yeah. And then I was just like, okay, I'm going to do these two. And Thursday, I recorded them both. Um, that one and the If You Miss Me at the back of the bus uh, in my apartment and did, you know, all the tracks and sent everything off to my brother at like 10 p.m. And he mixed and mastered all three songs and sent them back in like an hour and a half. It's awesome. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, and then I drew the, um, if anyone sees the cover art, the, I needed to get that band camp up by 3 a.m. because that's when it started. And I drew that thing and finished it at 2.59. Yes. So that's <laughs> why it looks like that. I love it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't. that song, it's just like, it's hard to put into words, I think, what it means to me and I'm sure lots of other people. Um it's it's kind of it's it's hopeful it's definitely hopeful but it's also like very sad mm-hmm. um i i don't know it's i it's it's so hard to it's so hard to talk about it in actual words cuz it's just like you listen to that song and it just gives you this feeling I feel like I always just feel that song like in my stomach and in my in my chest when I, every time I hear it. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I I don't know if I've said it on the podcast before, but I know that I've I've told Kitsy about this. Where like that's one of my favorite songs, like period. Like of, yeah, same of, of every song that I've ever heard. Uh, yeah. That is one of my favorites. Yeah. and uh, I found out like kind of well into my 20s that my dad was really into Sam Cooke. I didn't know who Sam Cooke was growing up. I wasn't allowed to listen to anything that wasn't like explicitly like Christian music and uh-huh. uh, watching that uh, there's a, a Netflix documentary called The Two Killings of Sam Cooke. Uh, oh, yeah. And there is a point where they talk about how like uh, in uh, in the, the church when uh, Sam Cooke was getting his start, you either were playing God's music or the devil's music. You had to choose one or the other. And he's like, but like, yeah. this music gets, like, gets me more people listening. Uh, yeah. And like, it, it wasn't until much later in life that I even really heard his music. And mm-hmm. like, I, I actually didn't even realize uh, the, the songs I knew by him were him until I had this song in my head one day. And I, I just looked it up. I'm like... Shit, I could have been listening to this my entire childhood. <laughs> like this yeah. could have been the music that I was raised on, and like how much yeah. more meaningful that would have been to me. Uh, but also just like hearing them like talk about like the you know, the origin of writing this song and how it's almost like a response to um, was it blowing in the wind? I think the uh, the Bob Dylan song, and it was like uh, you know, it sounds right um, if I remember. Yeah, how it was like you know there's this you know white Jewish man who's writing. You know, about like these these experiences that we're all having, and like, you know, I, I want to express it from from you know, my point of view, and like he comes out yeah. with this like super super powerful song. Yeah, yeah, it's it's incredible. It's just the just that opening, the way he opens it up, just like 
I'm not going to sing it, yeah. but like, <laughs> you know, that just that first line, yeah. you're like, okay, I'm ready for this. Yeah. Oh, I think, beautiful. I think I'm ready. It, it commands yeah. your attention. Yeah. You have to stop everything. Yeah. Uh, every time I hear that song, I, I stop. I definitely stop what I'm doing. It's perfect. I once made a playlist that started with that one and ended with the Otis Redding version. Oh, nice. And it was like my favorite playlist I've ever made because you just go in and, and leave it with that perfect song. That's and so I was great. lucky. My my dad actually listened to a ton of soul growing up. And so I'd, I'd heard this, you know, a lot of Sam Cooke and Curtis Mayfield and everything growing up. Yeah, I'm jealous of that. <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was really good. A lot of jazz too, which was cool. Um, he's a big, big music guy. He still sits at home and listens to music most of the day. Nice. Um, yeah. So... Cool. It would have well, been, yeah. would have been great to not be playing catch up on music in my adult life and to like actually have heard this yeah. stuff growing up. <laughs> but it's cool to get to it's cool to to have all those first times getting to hear it. It's though, true, you know, to like, like to experience it and like this this is like really amazing, really powerful. Yeah, and people are like, well, yeah. I'm like, why yeah. didn't you tell me about? This? <laughs> <laughs> they just probably they assumed you knew. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We, we all just but assumed you knew, Caleb. I didn't. I mean, I would have said something, but <laughs> but no. I I yeah. love this song, and I I'm really glad that you you picked it to cover. And uh, we'll yeah. also we'll we'll link this as well, so people can check cool. it out. And of course, if you if you can, it's available for purchase on Bandcamp. This whole three song uh, yeah. split, uh, and that one's still all donations. All everything from that's going to uh, Survived and Punished, the New York chapter. Um, right on. Which. Yeah, so. Awesome. But get it. Yeah. yeah. Get it. <laughs> Definitely get yeah. it. Uh, and Caleb, you mentioned very briefly the, the Netflix documentary, The Two Killings of Sam Cooke. And I just want to mm-hmm. throw out there, if anyone listening has not seen that yet, uh, fire up your Netflix and go go watch it because it's really good. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. You haven't seen it? It's on my list and I keep not watching it because I keep being worried I'm going to get too emotional. Oh, you probably will, but it's worth yeah. it. So I keep being like, tonight's not the night, yeah. but yeah, I definitely do. I definitely want to see it. Yeah, it's it's actually, so for, for me as, I, I actually kind of feel silly about this, but like for me as someone who listened to Sam Cooke casually, like I enjoyed everything I'd heard, but I never really dug too deep into like who he was or what he was all about. Um, I, I didn't realize how uh, involved in the civil rights movement he actually was. Yeah. Like I had this, this documentary opened up a whole new world for me of like, I, I didn't realize that, uh, one, I didn't know he was murdered. I didn't realize he was like targeted by mm-hmm. the FBI for being in, in the, uh, the civil rights movement. And, yeah. uh, that just, it, that just gave me so much more respect for him than I, than I had already. Um, yeah. He started a record label to like help out other artists and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, to be that influential in in the movement and in activism for his people, but also to be like so hugely hugely influential in music, and yeah. to see like you know, I've been given a this amazing opportunity, and I want to like share that with other artists who are like mm-hmm. being held back, uh, like ah, it, it's, it's yeah, inspiring. It, it was. Yeah, it really is, and yeah, I. I mean, I could, I could go on and on. I'm not gonna. I'm. I'm that's it. I'm not gonna. <laughs> but yeah, it's. Uh, it's great. And it's. I've. You know, speaking of Curtis Mayfield, like I know he was really inspired by him too. And it's cool how it just kind of like trickles down. 
It's the, one of those things that actually trickles down, not like economics. That's true. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Well, as much as I think it's an absolute shame that in 2020 we still need this song, uh, I am very grateful for the fresh perspective, uh, the fresh take on it that you provided because it's it's a fantastic cover. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thanks. Yeah, I was worried. I I wanted to. Was worried. It's such a good song. I didn't want to. I wanted to make sure I did it justice. So I'm I'm glad that people are. Yeah. Are enjoying it, resonating. I can imagine that was a very intimidating song to cover. Yeah, I, I kept taking breaks just from stress. <laughs> like, yeah, um, but yeah, it worked out, so I'm I'm happy. Awesome. See if see about it, maybe doing a cool full band version of it someday. Oh, that'd be right great. On. Yeah. yeah, when we can all see each other again. <laughs> well, we're gonna listen to that to uh, close out our podcast. But before we do, uh, Elise, is there anything you want to plug? Anything coming up? Social media you want to plug? Anything like that? Sure. Yeah. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Oceanator and Instagram is at Oceanator Band. And I mentioned I started a little record label. We started putting some stuff out um, and that's at Plastic Miracles on both Instagram and um, Twitter. And I got a new record that you'll hear more about soon-ish and you'll know about it even sooner if you follow me on those things. <laughs> so you said Plastic uh, Miracles? Plastic Miracles, yeah. Uh, we've put out, um, we just started releasing a record from Sunny Falls from Chicago, who are great, and uh, just today announced a photo zine um, that we're going to put out by this photographer, Alex Joseph, who's amazing. So Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. It's supposed to be a tape label, and now it's uh, whatever. <laughs> but... Love it. Yeah. Very cool. Cool. Well, Caleb, uh, where can we find you? Oh, well, thank you for asking. Uh, <laughs> if you want to find me on social media, you can find me both uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Caleb Micah. Uh, you can also check out all of our Night Shift Radio production shows over at nightshiftradio.com slash shows. I try to make that as you know, convenient and, and straightforward as possible. Uh, but Kitsy, where can they find you? <laughs> oh, they can find me on the Instagram and Twitter at Hey Kitsy. Hey Kitsy. Hey Caleb. <laughs> uh, you can, of course, find our podcast at leftofthedial.fm, where you can listen to every episode we've ever recorded, uh, find links to everything we talked about in this episode and previous episodes. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Left of the Dial PC. Uh, the PC does stand for podcast, in spite of what Ted Leo says. Damn you, uh, Ted Leo! <laughs> what did Ted Leo say? He says it stands for personal computer, and it's, it doesn't. It's, it's podcast. Uh, oh, He's been spreading oh, this rumor oh, gotcha, for months, gotcha, gotcha. and I'm tired of it. <laughs> it stops now. It stops now, Ted Leo. I love Ted Leo. Oh, I do, too. What, a, what yeah. a great person. I don't remember how the Ted Leo joke got started, but it, it's, it's been a running gag for many episodes now, and I love it. <laughs> Just, he's um, been trying to sabotage us for for months, and really and since the beginning, he, he's always yeah. had it out for us. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I, Ted, Ted Leo is fantastic. If you've never listened to Ted Leo's music, I encourage you to do so. No, I, uh, yeah, yeah, I encourage you all too. Yes, there you go. That's that's two uh, two endorsements. And, eh, no, no, no. Def- definitely do. <laughs> and and go when when we can go see him live. Yes. It's so good. It's phenomenal live. Solo or with a band. Also, go see Oceanator live because yes. because do it. Yeah, Just come see me live too. Do it. 
I'm also good. I, I can, yeah, I can say from personal experience, <laughs> uh, seeing Ocean Air live is fun. So yeah, yeah. So do that. <laughs> cool. And uh, yeah, Elise, thank you so much for coming on our dumb little podcast and talking about. No, your yeah, music. thank you for asking me. This has been really fun. Absolutely, it's, we it's would uh, love to have you back when the new record comes out. Yes, totally. please. We'll, we'll discuss. Awesome. Well, heck yeah. Well, thank you again. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, this has been Left of the Dial. I have been Kitsy. Caleb has been Coy. Uh, thank you so much for checking out our podcast, and we will be back next week. Oh, yes, it will.